Welcome to the Gatecast. Presented by Alan and Mike. Lucy, I'm home. I am not Lucy. Oh, you're right. We'll just upload a computer virus into the mothership. I was going to do my living room like this. Hello, good evening, and welcome to Gatecast, as I am assured by Kevin, episode 179, since I tweeted it about being 170-something. Yes, that's what we want from Twitter. Our listeners are more... No, that's probably insulting to Alan there, so... <laughs> Never stopped you before. <laughs> Greetings, everyone. Welcome to the latest episode of uh, Gatecast. And we're back with Stargate SG-1. I think every week when I prep the episode, I have to go through and figure out which episode it is, what number it is. Alternating turns out to be a lot more complicated than you'd imagine. That, or I've got just a terrible memory. Or all of the above. Indeed. Indeed. Line is Julie cocked, and I, I'm operating from a file because I honestly thought we were co-hosting with someone. Starting to get nostalgic, you know, I can't, I honestly can't recall the last time we recorded an episode without it yet. <laughs> this means it's getting that there's fewer episodes where we don't have someone on. And I'd like to think that's a sign of uh, vastly increased numbers, but it's not. It's just our fans are slightly more, how can I put this delicately, committed. Yes? No? Well, that's it. We could find in a year to come that uh, Brad and Jeff are doing their own podcast. Well, because I'm not in the country doesn't mean I won't be recording. That was not what I meant. I see. There hardly been any point in them doing a Stargate podcast. They've got more than one interest in their life. That's possible. Is actually, as a point of interest, is there a Smallville podcast out there? I imagine there is, yes. I'm just thinking when we're done with Stargate. The one I listened to, we're done and dusted about two or three years ago. Exactly. Nostalgically reminiscent about the show. Well, eventually I'll get me a disc out and watch it again. I see. By the way, do you have the Blu-rays of Universe Season 1? Yeah. Oh, good. So at least we're the same in that. You know I did, because I bought them, posted the link, and then you went, ooh. Shiny. <laughs> yes. Bye. And then cursed me. Yes. Tempter. I haven't bought DVDs in age. And it comes to a point where I've watched less than half of what I own, I figure it's time to stop buying. <laughs> Shane doesn't think that way. In fact, he already, I don't know if you saw it, but he told me he bought the briefcase set of the Avengers, the 10 Blu-ray disc one. Yeah. And, he's, and I said, don't you already own that in like three other formats? He said, yes, but this has the exclusive bonus disc. And I was like, just download the bloody bonus disc. The amount you spend on Blu-rays. I said, I admit, plans to improve your diet by spending your food budget on Blu-rays and therefore starving yourself is an interesting approach, but probably not a particularly healthy one. No, not in the long term. Hi, I'm Kevin Batchelder. I'm Wendy Hembrock. And I'm Brent Barrett. And we're the hosts of a new podcast called Tuning Into Sci-Fi TV. Where we discuss sci-fi and genre shows currently on television and some from the past. We're fans just like you. So join us in our water cooler and back porch discussions of your favorite shows. And strangely enough, you can find us online at tuningintosci-fi-tv.com. Be seeing you. Wait a minute. Isn't that what Bester says on Babylon 5? Maybe. I never watched Babylon 5. What? So you're a sci-fi geek who missed one of the best shows ever? Hey, hey, no details, no spoilers. I'm still catching up on DVD myself. Besides, we're not really experts or critics. We kind of think of ourselves more like guides or sci-fi Sherpas. I don't carry anyone's luggage, though. Yeah, me either. We're what we like to call the viewer's digest for genre TV. Yes, we're interested in the conversation shows generate. 
And speaking of sci-fi Sherpas, where would you find one of those? Mm, Craigslist. Oh, see what I have to deal with? Don't do the pull head back if you're going to approach me. Silly cat. There. Yeah, happy to be petted now. Cindy actually wanted me to play fetch. <laughs> oh, she comes up and throws the ball for you? No, she comes up and drops a bottle cap near me and, and then meows at me. And I pick it up and toss it and she tastes after it and then brings it back. But doesn't bring it back to me. I happen to be sitting in here. She brings it into the bedroom and meows from in there. And expects me to go, go in, toss it from there and then come back in here and sit down. And then she goes back and brings it back into the bedroom. Of course, if I sit in the bedroom, she brings it into this room, you know. Testing the boundaries. She clearly does. Tests don't have boundaries. <laughs> Although early evening, they were both sitting on the windowsills downstairs basking it because the house faces pretty much west. So in the evening, the windowsills get quite warm. Yeah. But they're not happy with me because of the thing I put on the back of their neck. Well, with assistance. And that was today's cat news. Moving on. <laughs> Just say the word. Open the iris. Here is the news. First off, a little housekeeping. Alan is now in the States, sans kitties, and will be visiting a few friends and attending the Phoenix Comic Con next weekend. Mainly for the large Babylon 5 gathering, but also for Amanda Tapping. He may just live through the experience. This means we won't be recording for a couple of weeks, but we have episodes in the can, so no change to the release schedule. Jeff and Miles are scheduled to record a few upcoming episodes when he returns, so we'll be in touch. Some very good news for Marina Baccarin and her husband, who are expecting their first child. Marina made her name in Firefly and then Stargate SG-1, but has really hit the headlines in the series Homeland. We also seem to be having issues with the Stitcher widget on the main Gatecast website, but the feed is still intact and playing fine if you are accessing it via one of the many mobile apps out there. Upcoming birthdays for this week seem to be few and far between. That or my search for them has let me down. However, there are a couple of doozies on Monday the 20th, with John Billingsley and Tamoth Pennicott, both celebrating their births. Tamoth guest-starred as the human form replicator 3rd in the SD-1 episode Unnatural Selection, and went on to star in Battlestar Galactica, Dollhouse, and is now in Continuum. John Billingsley appeared in the SD-1 episode The Good Guys as the unforgettable Coombs, and played one of Trek's best doctors in Enterprise as the Denoblian Phlox. He's recently been in True Blood and Nikita. Let's get back to the show. My line is cocked and I'm at two seconds. Not that that really makes any difference at all. That's the point. I'm going to need to dig out my season nine from somewhere. I think I have it somewhere. But I've no idea what format it's in. We'll have to actually do a check of that. Right. Anywho. Ivra good to go? Yep. Ivra three. Ivra doe. Ivra hain. Tricky. Fade black. Fade in on... Previously. Previously. With Daniel. So you guys are XNID. The van. Yes. And Jennings. Mr. Wolf. You try to shut down the SGC. You make this big speech about how much you hate secret organizations. Who? Love the bow tie. You know, I watched the first five minutes of this episode before I ripped it. Yeah. Some rather flagrant product placement. Uh, there is. You're right. <laughs> got all the exits covered. There's no way they could have gotten out. How is that possible? Ooh, shiny. Oh, yes. Character in leather. The ship Osiris left behind. If you hadn't caught her, we never would have had this opportunity. That guy could play a Vulcan. And not just because he's black. Not just because he's black and bald. There, I mean, come on. <laughs> yes, sponsored by Heineken. God's sake, we didn't have to say it. I assume those are chips and other snack food. Chips and dip, very American. It's a nice sunny day for Vancouver, doesn't it? Yeah, well, uh, as uh, Robin said in an episode of 
how I met your mother. Yeah, in Canada, summer is basically the last week of July. <laughs> All right then. Nice to know Jack goes out armed. Check behind the door. So was he planning on drinking all that beer himself? Of course he was. That's a lot of beer. But how many times does he have an unexpected guest? Hmm. If the gang pops by, you've always got to have some beer on hand. Although previously it's been Guinness. That's it then. Check behind the door. You know somebody's there, but you're not quite sure where they are. Look behind you, Jack. Behind you. Bad news. That Jack Engel malt, which he's drinking the last of. <laughs> I drew him on general principle. Well, if I'd known you were coming, I'd have hidden the good stuff. <laughs> if you'd known I was coming, I doubt I'd made it through the door. <laughs> A nice touch with the uh, family pictures on the walls. Mm. He's showing remarkable restraint. Yes. Local sheriff's a friend of mine. <laughs> I may be disgraced, but I'm not wanted for any crimes. Breaking and entering? <laughs> Shoot him, Jack. You're allowed. He broke in. It's ringing. <laughs> <laughs> the motive of lies breaking and entering ever. Fool's a cut now. <laughs> now, a few years ago, this joke wouldn't have been possible. <laughs> Good, a few years ago. <laughs> it's going to sell fun. Oh, for God's sake. <laughs> you need to start trusting me, Jack. Why? Mm, no, I really don't. Yes, you really do. You can see Kinsey's had a, a change of heart because he's no longer the bow tie or tie man. He's, you know, he's going open-necked. Uh -huh. Casual Kinsey. Probably because his neck has grown so thick that uh, he can no longer close the top <laughs> button. Well, he's been out, out of work, and he? He's kind of let it go a bit. Hmm. Right then, full alert. Season 8, episode 14 of Stargate SG-1. Gatecast episode 179. Directed by Andy Makita. Written by Joseph Malozzi and Paul Mully. The dynamic duo of Stargate writers. Imagine it. Pass me the gold repellent, Robin. While Batman hung upside down beneath a glider. That it's world premiere in the UK, January the 11th, 2005. Australia, February the 3rd. The Americans got it February the 11th, Canadians May the 4th. Oh, they're ahead with previous episodes? Or is that Atlantis? Like I say, Atlantis is a bit of an iffy, I can never mm. cannot actually find detailed and accurate premiere dates. And I did have a look, I could not find a single episode of any show that shared this title. You'd think some of the cop shows would. Full alert, it, strange name really. Mm. And we're back. Hello? Andy, it's Jack. Huh. Hey. <laughs> now what are you going to say? Um. Uh. <laughs> Hello. I was just checking on Friday, making sure we're still on for poker. Yeah, you bet. I'll bring the beer. All right. See you then. You don't need to bring the beer. I've already got enough for two weeks for any health. <laughs> Wise decision. He's going to have to go to the shop again and get more beer and chips. Don't forget the chips. You've got three minutes. Why three minutes? <laughs> Before I shoot you as an intruder in my home. <laughs> Same old Jack O'Neill. Although I hear you're a general now. Congratulations. Ah, Walter's in this. Shoot him in the knee, just for, you know, old time's sake. You want to take down the trust? I can help you. I'm sorry, I must have missed an episode. <laughs> <laughs> Probably right. Strangely enough, though, Jack does tend to miss more, or Richard Dean Anson tends to miss more episodes. <laughs> Meaning you were no longer useful, so they kicked you out on your ass. That's a rather crude way of putting it, but... <laughs> faster. Talk faster. 
He's a politician. He's not used to going straight to the point. <laughs> That's true. Believe me, that was a consideration, which is why when they requested a meeting a few days ago, I suggested a nice public venue. That's a jack way of putting it. Now, this whole scene took up five pages of dialogue. They were seriously worried it was too much of a head-to-head talk mm-hmm. fest, even though it was broken up by the title sequence. It works well because these two actors work well together. Indeed. The Trust wants me to arrange a meeting with General Miroslav Kisilev, the Russian defense minister. I thought they already had connections with the Russian military. This isn't just a connection. Kisilev exercises operational authority over all of Russia's armed forces, including their nuclear arsenal. And he just happens to be a good friend of yours. Yes. <laughs> there we go. This is the same house that's been Jack's home throughout the uh, show. Same people have owned it as well. They must pay well to make, get use of it. Indeed. He was a hard liner even then. His country was falling apart, but he came at us as though we were the ones at a disadvantage. <laughs> he and I developed a mutual respect. We were talking about Smallville before we started recording, and uh, that farm in Kansas, serious payments to make use of that over the ten years. Mm-hmm. The most advanced farm in the state. <laughs> they didn't bother to farm anymore. <laughs> no. They can probably give Smallville tours. It wouldn't surprise me that the show is over. This is where Clark did this. Might as well. You could keep it a working form. Mm. There's been a change of attitude. They're no longer willing to stay in the shadows and bide their time. They want to make a direct grab for power. That's the problem with the trust. They know too much. How many uh, moles and spies have they got in the SGC and uh, in the White House? It's interesting that their name implies the one thing you shouldn't do with them. Well, it's a very American name, and you're almost like it's come off of the In God We Trust type thing. For the trust to ally themselves with a foreign power against the United States of America, well, that's just something I can't condone. Kinsey, please, spare me the diatribe. They kicked you when you were down, and you want revenge. It's as simple as that. The truth is, my motives are irrelevant. The trust has become an imminent threat to the sovereignty of this nation. Now, what are you going to do about it? I mean, as we've seen, Kinsey is very put on a religious front anyway. There we go. (laughs) I feel like waving the flag after that little speech. Because he's right. If the trust are actually working with foreign powers, it's one thing to steal technology, exploit and blackmail if you're doing it for for the American corporations. Has he asked for anything in return for the information? Protection. Makes sense. If he doesn't cooperate, the trust will kill him. Maybe he should cooperate. This could be our chance to get somebody on the inside. Infiltrate the organization. (laughs) It's good to be in charge, isn't it, Jack? Yes. Oh, dear. You want me to wear a wire? That's the deal. I am not a spy. Think of it this way. If you don't do what they want, they'll kill you. If you don't do what we want, we'll let them. (laughs) Yeah, that's not going to work, is it? They (laughs) kind of know what you uh, do before you do it. Would the Russians actually go to war over the Stargate? Well, not officially. What, pick out a shuttle or something? Mm. How's it looking? Got a picture. Let's have your belt. Hardly a HD wireless camera, is it? Technology's moved on a bit. 
<laughs> That's it. Keep your pants on, man. When we're done, I want that back. <laughs> now, they've arranged to meet you in a remote location. My guess is they'll have you leave your car, and then they'll drive you to a second location where the actual meeting will take place. And we're going to have to keep back a fair distance so as not to arouse suspicion. Yes. Ask you to take everything off. Come on, this is a basic <laughs> rope. This scene was actually shot inside of the surveillance van. Mm-hmm. If you recall, they blew the last one up. No, Osiris blew the last one up. Well, I was referring to the show. Preferably a, a code word that'll let us know you're in trouble. How about something simple like help? How about something a little less obvious, like red? I think Sam's a bit too familiar with safe words. Yes. Is that Pete's influence? Possibly. Let them do the talking. Get out of my way. I know what to do. She's still slightly disgusted by him. Well, that looks a lonely place. Didn't he ask for a... Is that a rover? No, it's... The grill. A Lincoln Town car. The grill looks very rover. Hmm. These roads were part of the Boundary Bay Airport. These are all closed roads, so the uh, production crew had full run of it. Didn't have to bring police in to close them off or anything. You think they'd let them sit in the car before they would blow for on? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> now, good listeners... If somebody offers you a lift, but you have to wear a blindfold, run. Run for your life. This has been a public safety announcement. Mikita Couriers? <laughs> Andy Mikita Couriers. <laughs> and some generic Marines? Never leave home without them. So how long is this sightseeing trip going to last? We'll let you know. Hmm. That's a really bright indicator. In a bizarre position. You would have thought the trust would scan him for surveillance. I mean, they're not the most trusting of trust. No, I'm sorry, that sentence should be taken out and shot. <laughs> well, some things you can't stop saying, you just got to get through it. You could see the car crash of a sentence approaching and you just went for it. <laughs> now, the sensible thing for them to do would be to have a spotter there on the turn-off. Yeah. As you can see, the plus point of filming near an airport, lots of empty roads that look quite deserted. The negative, of course, is it's an airport. Looks a bit like the house they use in the following. This is Rosemary Mansion in Vancouver. Well, that sounds like it's running a little rough. Still think they should have used an ice cream, huh? They're fooling you. They didn't part the van. It broke down. I think we should be thankful that Kinsey hasn't got a daffodil in his lapel. Camera, microphone, stroke, water squirter. I'm sure they could take the blindfold off now, though, before they actually got into the ants. You can smell the cigar smoke. Probably. Pretty good audio, really. Hmm. Hmm. Very rich bad guys. Bob, good to see you again. Sorry about the blindfold. Bob? Well, they've known each other for a while, haven't they? They are conspirators against the US government. Hmm. What are you having? Vodka tonic. In case I'll have a scotch. No ice. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't approve of vodka. Obviously. But you're Russian, you drink vodka. These three gentlemen, Mr. Parker, Mr. Wayne and Mr. Kent, played by Joey Arisco, Hiro Kanagawa and Alan Gray. Parker, Wayne and Kent? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Did you knock off that? I didn't. I wrote it down. I didn't notice it. Oh, come on. Oh, that is brilliant. <laughs> as soon as you said it, a little bell went off my head. I was like, hang on. <laughs> you would have done the same. Maybe. But when I 
cut someone loose? I don't go back to them groveling for favors. You say what's on your mind. I'll give you that. Under other circumstances, I might be worried about winding up like one of your trophies on the wall. But you've already made it clear that you need me, so I don't have anything to worry about, do I? Hmm. And this is Kinsey's experience coming through. He, he knows his position and strength. Of course, making an assumption here. There's a surprise in store for him. What are you talking about? Hmm. Sure. Uh-oh. This cannot be good. Brace yourself, Kinsey. If they got close, they could use a laser mic. Oh, shocker. The trust have proved they've got access to some serious high technology. Hmm. Oh, dear. I don't like where this is going. <laughs> what's in the box? It's not going to be money. No. You're definitely jamming us. Tilt, we've lost audio. Move in. So, how are they monitoring his vitals? I think that's just audio wave, isn't it? Hmm. Interesting, they jammed the video, then jammed the audio. It's almost as if they wanted them to actually hear what was going on. Or they're gradually narrowing down the bandwidth that they're extending and, like, audio's on a different frequency to video, so they hit video first. Yep. Now, I like to see Tilt driving, but when did he learn to drive? Ah, uh, during the several months he had the apartment. <laughs> yeah, we did see him drive off, didn't we? And God, a 17-year-old American Californian woman can learn to drive. <laughs> it beamed out. This is starting to become a habit. They are making a habit of disappearing quickly. Yes. If the Alcash is in orbit, they must have fixed the cloak because SSN hasn't picked them up. What about the locator beacons? We're running a search through the NSA satellite system, but all they'd have to do to avoid detection is change the frequency. Odds are we're not going to find anything. They really do have to learn how to jam Asgard transporters. Yeah. Did you just <laughs> say that because you knew she was going to say that? No, I said it because it seemed appropriate. Mm. Even though I've, I have watched the episode, it tends to go straight in and out. Mm. I've been going over the sensor logs from the last encounter between Prometheus and the Alcash. There were a few small anomalies emanating from the ship's position before it decloaked. They didn't register because we didn't know to look for them. But I could create a program that would key the sensors to those particular readings. I was just going to suggest that. So we'd be able to detect a cloaked ship? Well, it's not that simple. It shouldn't be that easy to cloak something the size of an alcash. If nothing else, you should be able to see it through obscured local stars. Yeah, there's a small patch of darkness moving. Yeah. It's a big sky, though. Depending on how close the orbit is, it'd actually be fairly easy to match. They're probably hiding behind the moon. Well, it worked last time. Mm. Improvement? Yeah. I'll need a few hours to create the program. Fine. I wonder what note Jack's making. <laughs> Some things never change, do they? And I don't think we want them to. I have to pick up my dry cleaner. You're on a flight to Moscow in half an hour. I am? Yes, you are. Colonel Chekhov's people will meet you there. Will you please try to find out what the hell's going on? And if you get a chance, hook up with this General Kisilev. Jack, they know we're on to them. They may just abort the mission. Now, the way Kenzie was talking, it sounds like they're looking for a big score here. He's probably ticking off his copy of the script. <laughs> yes, that's my line. <laughs> Three more lines and I can go home for the day. <laughs> uh, question, Sam, why didn't you create this program months ago? <laughs> Where's Teal, by the way? Don't upset anybody. Mm-hmm. 
And Daniel's fine because he's the only person on the entire base that speaks fluent Russian. Well, he has a relationship, don't he? He's been over to Russia before. Yeah, but I, I wouldn't necessarily describe it as a good relationship. Better than having no relationship. I mean, you don't need to brief... What about the Russian SG team? Are they still alive? <laughs> they haven't been in the mission with Jack. That is, pro- that is probably why the Russians are upset, because they never get on screen. That was Lieutenant Womack, played by Chella Horsdal, Canadian actress. She's been in Motive, Arctic Air, Arrow, Eureka. And an 80s band. Womack and Womack. Yes. Daniel cleaned up nicely. I am Captain Voronkova, Daria Voronkova. I'm glad she pronounced that, because I wasn't going to try. <laughs> Francois Robertson, I assume a French-Canadian actress. She's been in Battlestar, V, Pretender, Sliders and Crusade. She's cute. In the commentary, they mentioned she was married to Martin Cummins, who was in Forsaken and Holtgeist's Legacy. She's excellent. Okay, we stick to English then. <laughs> Daniel should be insulted. Interesting, they, they changed the format of the subtitle. In what way? The font, when he's speaking Russian, is different. <laughs> right. It's a little thing. <laughs> Presumably because that subtitle appears for everyone. Yeah. Whereas this subtitle only appears for people with subtitles sometimes. Ah, one's hard burnt in and the other's... Mm. <laughs> yes. Have you eaten a proper lunch? I had something on the plane. Then the answer is no. Good. I know a restaurant around the corner that serves the best sallow in Moscow. Oh, I'm not a big fan of sallow. Don't worry. You will acquire taste. Great. What the hell is sallow, sallow? At least it's not borscht. <laughs> Is this the uh, Russian equivalent of Gah? Probably. <laughs> Missy Daniel's doing well. He's getting taken to dinner. He's only been there uh, an hour. Hmm. Yes. Why? We're trying to find out. The president's called a meeting for the Joint Chiefs. We're at DEFCON 3. Oh, dear. A lot of extras there. As we've pointed out, though, non-speaking. So... <laughs> so cheaper. Cheap extras. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but they still get $100 a day. Yeah. I'd say it's a... Uh, $100 a day sounds like much, but... They were talking about filming in HD, and a HD tape costs about $45, <laughs> compared to a, a year's worth of film, which was a million dollars. So a significant saving when they switched to HD cameras. Miroslav Kisovo graduated with a gold medal from Malinovsky Tank Academy, received the hero of Russia for his distinguished leadership in Chechnya. If you heard that, that was one of the cats misstepping a jump. <laughs> right. Now, it wouldn't surprise you to realise that these roads are exactly the same ones Kinsey was parked on. Yes, well, the other thing is, I don't, I don't appreciate your driving. You may not receive a very warm welcome. Jeep's looking away from the road. Oh, don't worry about that. She won't crap. I was getting a lift to uh, get a football match one time by someone who... Uh, Kept doing that, I ended up texting the guy in the front seat saying, Could you please stop talking to him? Because he keep... <laughs> he's driving down narrow winding roads at about 60 miles an hour and he keeps glancing for two to three seconds at the other guy in the passenger seat. It's quite unnerving. Oh, Mike Dopu playing Colonel Karen Cheronovskev. General Kisilova. What's going on? I don't know. They subtitle that as Nyet. Well, that's accurate. <laughs> yes, but do they just assume that everyone knows what Nyet means? Mike Dopu. He's been in two episodes of Stargate SG-1, an episode of Stargate Atlantis, and 15 episodes of Stargate Universe playing Varro. Hmm. 
Also been in Arctic Air, Grim, We're Out 13, Continuum, Battlestar, and Smallville. Okay, get back to me when you know something. Yeah. Walter! Sir, Colonel Chekhov's here to see you. Send him in. And you say the eagle's gone. Hmm. And I notice he's a brigadier general. Yeah, he's not a... Hello, Chekhov. And the nervous gentleman in the background is the Russian translator that hired by the producers. <laughs> I pointed out in the commentary, he wasn't quite comfortable on camera, but they put him in anyway. But my sources in the Kremlin tell me the Russian military is increasing its alert status because they think the American administration has been compromised. Colonel Chekhov is played by Gary Chalk. Yes. He's been in The Killing, Alcatraz, Eureka. And was at the auction that I were at. Was he? Yep. He kept finding stuff. The, the morgue I have is signed by him. Nice. It's sitting in a relatively cat-proof position. <laughs> Roll up your sleeve, Daniel. They could just slice your arm open. They want a blood sample. Yeah. In Deep Space Nine, they just get the dagger out. <laughs> is this a normal part of your interrogation procedure? Depends what you wish to know. In this case, it will answer a very specific question. What question? Ow? No, that's the answer. Mike's filled out over the years. He's a little bit heavier these days. Mm-hmm. More bulky. Yes, I've commented on that. The increasing buffness of Michael Shanks. No, I mean Mike Dupo. Oh. We know Shanks is getting every season. If you've seen Lexa, his missus, on Continuum, you know he needs to keep working out. She's kicking ass at the moment. You see, earlier today we managed to uncover a plot against the general's life. Luckily we captured the assassin before he could make his move. No, dear. It was nice to see him. I've been re-watching Continuum. And he has a... Well, let's just say he doesn't last long in the first episode, but we do get to see him in flashback. Robert Kinsey, former vice president of the United States of America. It's insane. Why would Kinsey want to kill General Kislev? I'm afraid Mr. Kinsey isn't exactly himself these days. Hmm. Oh, Gerald Kinsey. By stopping me, you will Yes, we know that. Jack would approve. <laughs> He's locked him up and handcuffed him. Oh, dear. Ah... He's a gold. Oh, that looks tacky. Let's face it. I mean, Kinsey was gold in all but actually having a symbiote anyway. <laughs> His behaviour would have would have made the symbiote proud. I thought the eye flash, though, was a bit poor. Those rocks came in pretty fast. They only knocked a man down. Well, it's up to the jaywalkers to watch out. At least two poison attacks against gold-occupied worlds after we took back the gate. That means they had to leave the relatively safe confines of the solar system and head out into the galaxy, where they ran the risk of being killed or captured. Well, they've been busy, haven't they? That's what happened when you let the Alkish get away. You should have just blown it out of the sky. Mm. That's unlucky, isn't it? The whole yes. galaxy, and they go out, and they get captured by a uh, system lord. Mm. Of all the stargates and all the galaxy you could go to. Mm. <laughs> yes. My God, even though, by tradition, we're all atheists in Russia. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, no, there could be an orthodox. Well, after the, after the uh, fall, yeah, but religion wasn't really very big, was it, for Russian officers? By now, the entire trust could have been taken over. But why would the gold want to assassinate General Kisilev? We don't know for sure that was the plan, but if Carter's right, Kinsey might have been trying to get a snake into Kisilev's head. It makes sense. From Kisilev, it's one step up to the president of Russia. How do we know he didn't succeed? Kinsey never met with the general. He was arrested before he had the chance. Well, my government feels that it is the American administration that has no, been infiltrated by the Gawol. And they are insisting that everyone in key positions, including the president, must submit for testing. <laughs> of course they did. Yeah. Not a bad guess. Well, hmm. then we have oh, good. 
Yeah, that's not going to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, please, don't tell me you didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Thank you for getting me out of there. It wasn't easy. Even after your blood test came back negative, they still wanted to hold you. Oh, hold you and squeeze you. A new sort of Russian military. And can't you, George? <laughs> yes, Daria was rather insulted. Nobody wanted to hold her. Mm-hmm. If we're going to figure out what's going on here, we have to question him. He is being questioned by Russian military intelligence. Yes, and he's feeding them a pack of lies. He's telling them the American administration has been infiltrated because he wants to force a confrontation. To what end? I don't know. That's why we need to talk to him. Dosta. Language. Yes. That just said speaks Russian. <laughs> it sounded bad. <laughs> I can swear in 14 languages. Always useful. It's not quite the rinse one level. <laughs> Scream for help in 23 languages and just scream in another 10. Harry, your hair's going seriously thin. Sir, just received another report. As of 0912, the Chinese military have joined the Russians in an elevated state of alert. Naturally. General, I've been talking to my contacts in the Kremlin. They tell me President Mikhailov is not happy with the situation, but is under considerable pressure from his military advisors. In other words, Kislov is running the show. Da. Oh dear. It's a relatively small war room, isn't it? Mm. More of a war uh, room. Yes. As I said in the commentary, basically, if you want a room full of screens, you've got to have somebody who actually creates something to put on the screens, and that costs time and money. Mm-hmm. And if Kislov finds out you're going around him, it could make things worse. At this point, I don't believe we have much choice. Many, many friends. Yes. That's almost Lando. But I'm safer here. <laughs> this will withstand a nuclear attack, won't it? Yes. Well, if he's ghoul, surely he has ghoul strength and he can just snap the handcuffs. Depends what they're made of. The ghoul are strong, but maybe not that strong. Hmm. No, she must have got permission to bring Daniel in to uh, interrogate the uh, Kinsey Stroke gold. And the spare short. You're right. He hasn't changed, does he? <laughs> so what should I call you? You are unworthy to speak my name. Maybe. So I'm guessing you work for the System Lords, am I right? No, you're not working for Ball. He's too busy conquering the galaxy to bother with an unimportant planet like Earth. Gotta hand it to you, though. Your territories are falling one by one, your troops are in full retreat, and you still find the time to come and try and destroy little old us. Ball can't multitask. Ah, It's nice to know they're thinking about us. They're cool, they like dominate. Last ditch attempt to take us with you before Bao finishes you off. I told that the system wars aren't that pathetic, are they? You are the one who is pathetic. You will die never knowing our true purpose. So there is a hidden agenda. Suckers. Although, I guess that if they're opposing Bao, mm-hmm. Earth has proven to have technologies that they could use, so getting rid of us and getting hold of uh, the Antarctic weapon might be the best way a system lord is thinking of fighting Bao. Well... The Chinese are refusing to back down, and gosh and golly, go figure, we're picking up increased chatter from within Russia. I'm still waiting to hear back from my contacts in Moscow. And I just talked to the Joint Chiefs. We're going to DEFCON 2. Oh, dear. You know, I'm sure if we put our heads together, we'd come up with a dozen reasons why he'd want to wipe us out. Most important being the ancient weapon that you know we possess. I'm sure the system lords think that if they can get us to wipe ourselves out, they can just step right in and take it. They're probably right. But what I don't understand is you. Why are you so willing to sacrifice yourself? I assure you, 
I have no intention of dying on this miserable planet. You're in Russian defense headquarters, primary target. If you do succeed in starting a nuclear war, you're going to die right along with the rest of us. Hmm. Now, this cell was actually constructed in the music room of the local elementary school where they, where they were filming. You've got to admire the set designers and builders, what they can do. Your gods have deemed you to be unworthy, and the hour of reckoning is at hand. Air Force Space Command has put all its missile wings on alert. The first B-2 left Whiteman at 0940. FL SATCOM sent out an emergency action message. Nine of our missile submarines are at sea, and the rest are preparing for immediate sortie. The President and his team are on the way to Andrews, where the National Airborne Command Post is awaiting their arrival. That was absolutely fantastic, Gary. Pure military speak, delivered with aplomb. He's already arrested several officers on trumped-up charges. I'm afraid Dr. Jackson may be in danger. Come on. Next to slaughtering innocents, gloating is what you guys are all about. It must be just killing you just sitting there, not bragging about your brilliant plan. Why didn't they give him a name? Try to link up maybe some of the mythology. <laughs> Too late. Why, what is it? They're coming for us. Who? <laughs> yes. All you need to do is give a gold and the opportunity to gloat. Now look at the soldier. The last time we saw him, he was being eaten by replicators. Oh dear. Speaks Russian. How did they know? Who's on the outside telling them? Dmitry Chepovetsky. He was in Regenesis and the uh, Stargate SG-1 episodes more victories as a Russian sailor. I see they got the beamer walking in the Prometheus. <laughs> Good for them. I think not. If you do not cooperate, I will kill you. Don't you realize what you have done? The Russians already suspect that you've been compromised by the Gowarul. As far as they know, you helped me to escape. You've done more to convince them than I ever could. Come on, show off. He's happy. That's not a good thing. Listen up, people. He's got word. The Russians have gone to a state of full military preparedness. As of this moment, we're at DEFCON 1. Ooh, preparedness. That's finger on the button time. Mm-hmm. Chekhov doesn't look happy. In the commentary, Andy McKee to the director and the writer Paul Mulley were talking about this and comparing it to a film, you know, you'd have lots of stock footage of ships going to sea, nuclear <laughs> missile silos opening, and but they had none of that. They had to build the tension just with a bit of dialogue. The part I don't understand. The whole time you were down there, you were doing your best to start a nuclear war, even though you were right in the line of fire. Now you want to go back? Here's a way out. That's Colonel Pendergrass, Barkley Hope, Canadian actor. Who is it? I have nothing more to say to you. We can start this again when he's had some time to think about it. Take him to the brig. Shoot him, Tilt. I'd zap him just on principle. Well, yeah, you wouldn't want to let one of them walking around, even with mm. one or two guards, would you? With the guarding Simmons last season, and he got away. <laughs> Radio chatter suggests that both your people and the Chinese have alerted their missile regiments. They're posturing. Kisilev knows that even if he launches an effective first strike against your land-based forces, your sea-based missiles are already in a position to exact extreme retribution. Yeah, that's only if he doesn't completely lose his mind, and I'm not discounting that possibility. As acting commander-in-chief of the Russian armed forces, President Mikhailov is our only hope of reeling him in. Well, we can't get through to him. Yes, Jack. You've got to love these shots. The steady cam bloke walking backward again shows how big the landing set is. They can't go in circles on the SGC. 
<laughs> one long corridor. <laughs> it is a long corridor. And the DP is going, okay, you've run out of corridor, stop. Yeah, stop there, hit your mark. <laughs> General Kislev has been misled by the Gold. And right now, I don't see how we're going to do that. Don't worry, General, we'll figure it out. Well, I don't know about you, but I'm going to die the Alpha site, see you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we're in position. Sneaky. Have they detected our presence? No. Very well. Destroy the ship. They have superior shields. If we do not succeed with the first salvo, we will be at a disadvantage. So long as he is in their hands, he remains a liability. We have no choice. Understood. Now, if you know there's a cloaked ship out there, surely you'd be running with your shields on. Hmm. And if they've got the shields on, there's no way an Alkis can take them out hmm. with one shot. <laughs> well, we found the Alkis. Oh, dear. And he's managed Ooh. to Ooh. get a gun. Two down. Shields oh. wound up. Well, they're down to 40%, so those four or five shots took 60% of the shield power down. Hmm. And that's an Alkis, for Christ's sake. The uh, Asgard are better... Upgrade the shields on the Prometheus. Yeah, can't they do sight, sight beaming? Power and sensors may be a problem. Please, tell me you have something. He always does. Sam never lets you down. I've been going over everything we have on General Kislev, and I found this. Colonel Ruslan Chernovshev. He was Kislev's chief of staff. His there he is, Mike Dopu. Three years ago, he was involved in a plot to sell a captured symbiote to elements of the Trust then operating within the NID. Aha. Uh -huh. That means the Trust had a direct connection to Kisilev. They didn't need Kinsey. He was just a pretext. But they did want him Oops. for a reason. You just haven't quite figured it out. So if the Trust had access to Kisilev, then he could have been compromised as well. Exactly. But sound confident, and nobody will question you. It's a file photo of General Kisilev taken three years ago. And this was taken less than a week ago during a speech he gave at the General Staff Academy. Notice the difference? Glasses. Again, in the commentary, they said they had a lot of trouble with this element of the story. No glasses. Could you actually sell that as a major mm. turning point in the plot? Then they added in the uh, dialogue about the laser surgery and the contact lenses just to kind of point out you would make that argument. Mm. Have you heard of laser surgery? Sir no, wait, Colonel Carter is right. General Kisilev suffered from glaucoma. His vision was extremely poor. There is no possibility he could have read from a prepared statement without his glasses. Hell, it was in really big print. Yes. <laughs> oh, dear. You've got to believe it, Jack. You've trusted us so far. Yes. <laughs> Go for it, Kinsey. That's what we like to see. That's it, Daniel. You stand behind Dilt. Yes. You can hide behind <laughs> him. He's larger than you are. Yeah, and he's got partial body armor. Why aren't all the doors locked? Yeah, they're under attack. Red alert, or blue alert even, because there don't seem to be many red lights going on. Sure, we got the red alert. It would mean changing the bulb. <laughs> and of course, we heard the uh, rings, but we didn't see him, so that's uh, $50,000 saved. <laughs> You're too late, boys. He's ringed away. Now go back to the colonel and tell him you lost him. Crap. Indeed. Run along. We've almost got it, sir. Stand by. Hey, how do we know Mikolov hasn't been infected, too? We don't. But at this point, we hardly have anything to lose. Good point. Let's assume everybody's been infected. Hmm. <laughs> That's a Russian accuse. Why don't they just use the symbiote poison that the Trust had? 
Uh, yes, sir, but uh, these are highly unusual circumstances. Agreed. Is General O'Neill there with you? I'm here, Mr. President. It's good to speak with you again. Although you understand at the moment, I cannot trust anything you say. Yeah, about that. It's true, there has been a Gould infiltration. But it's not on our side, it's on yours. Well, I imagine Russia wouldn't be happy if you were firing missiles at them, especially when everybody's on DEFCON 1. They're not going to wait to see what's in the warhead. Hmm. Let me put it this way, sir. The last time you saw General Kisilev, did you happen to notice if he was wearing his glasses? Even Jack doesn't think he's going to believe him. He's not a diplomat, then, is he? Shields are holding, sir, 40% and steady. Then we got him. Come about prepared to fire my signal. No, oh, so the shields got hit, dropped to 40%, and then stayed there. Interesting technology. I'm pleased you were able to use my diversion to free yourself. Do you think I'm a fool? You tried to destroy the ship because you thought I would reveal information about you. Of course not. We were merely... Open fire all batteries! Powered by Duracell. I think this episode needed some clarification of who the symbiote was. Oh dear. It would add a bit of... You know, why bother opening fire with batteries? Why don't you use mains power? <laughs> I don't know, them nine volts come keen when you throw it. You know, you'd think, given the fact that he had a hand device on, he would have activated the bloody shield. <laughs> it's all a matter of timing. You've got to assume somebody's going to shoot you. He's another gould. You always assume he's going to shoot you. <laughs> yeah, it's not the most trusting, again. Again, that word coming up. Yeah. You could start by trusting us. And if you have been compromised by the Gould, I would be standing down my forces with the Americans in position to launch an immediate attack. Sir. Back and forth, back and forth. Somebody's got to trust somebody. That's the whole point. The Gould don't want a winner. They want us to destroy each other. Why? Why? What do you mean, why? He's not the smartest Russian premier, is he? Sir. NPIC is reporting visuals from Russian missile site 537. Silo doors are open. Evidence of a firefight on the ground. Uh, stock footage. No, no stock footage. No, they'd have to pay for stock footage. Just have Walter actually saying, look, somebody we know and seeing the silo doors opening. Now, wasn't this argument made in the episode Icon? It didn't quite work out very well for those people, did it? Oh, dear. Just point out the Russians. We've got a starship in orbit. <laughs> hmm. Back down. Why aren't we blowing it up? <laughs> yes, he's asking exactly that question. Stand by. Priority number 35. Who killed him? <laughs> Kinsey, and then we couldn't trust him. Him or the symbiote. Mm -hmm. They're powering weapons. Take them out. Quickly. Destroy it for once. There we go. Boom. They had an opportunity to do that so many times in previous episodes. Uh-huh. Target destroyed. Thank you, Captain Obvious. Yeah, now you get painted a little uh, Alkes silhouette on the hull. <laughs> the first of many. Doesn't Jack look a little tense? They're still on the verge of all-out global thermonuclear and war. And this isn't the two-parter? They're really going to resolve it in the next 30 seconds? Well, the trust storyline doesn't quite get resolved for quite a while, does it? Gimme Washington. General! Wait! We're out of time, Colonel. Please. Go on, Jack. Give him a bit more time. Three seconds. Sir, 
NPIC is reporting new visuals at 537. Silo doors are closing. Russian bombers are turning around and returning to base. They're standing down. That was resolved remarkably quickly. You convinced the Russian Premier. Okay. <laughs> Does he get to paint a hammer and sickle with a line through it on the side of his desk? I'm not totally sold on the ending of that episode. That was very sudden. You get the impression they around about 10 minutes long and they got a lot out. Yeah, if the Russians were privy to what was going on in orbit, could actually see it, and had an idea that the Trust were all infected by the gold, yeah. then maybe, but they didn't know any of that. I wonder where Kinsey went. Yeah, that's a good point. Where did he go after he killed... Uh... Can you ring down... You can, because they've done it. You can ring down to a planet without receiver. Yes. So in theory, you could have gone anywhere. It must have done. You don't get rid of Kinsey like that unless you've got a big death scene. Indeed. Have you... My God, you've been cheating on me. You've been tweeting somebody else as we've been doing this. Yes. I feel violated. If you want to feel violated, I can do something far worse. <laughs> I bet you can. That's why I'm never giving you my address. I'm still not convinced you're not someone's PhD AI project. <laughs> I have no evidence that you actually exist. Okay, then. What the was that? Motorbikes. Okay, then, folks, that was full alert. Perhaps not the highlight of the season. A lot of people don't like the political aspect that Stargate started to move into during this season and the next. I do love politics myself, but I felt as Kinsey episodes went, it was probably his weakest one so far. Well, that's half the time. He wasn't Kinsey, was he? He was just being a generic gold. It's really hard to tell the difference with Kinsey. <laughs> In fact, I'm sure the ghoul sort of took over Kinsey and went, oh, oh well, there's not really much change here, is there? <laughs> yeah, you didn't hardly struggle, did you? You know, we're quite compatible. A true symbiotic relationship. <laughs> Andy Makita, the director, he uh, eventually produced, in various guises, 104 episodes of Stargate SG-1, 40 episodes of Stargate Atlantis, and 20 episodes of Stargate Universe, as well as directing 29 episodes of Stargate SG-1, 22 SGA, and 12 of Stargate Universe. Joseph and Paul, prolific writers, 41 SG-1 episodes, 19 SGA, and 12 SGU. Next week, we return to the Pegasus Galaxy for the episode Before I Sleep. Do you have a blurb, Andy? Handy? Andy? Handy? I am not Andy. <laughs> Handy, no. Before I Sleep, Season 1, Episode 15. The Atlantis team discover a stasis chamber holding a woman who appears to be over 10,000 years old. Excited at the possibility that she is one of the alien race that built Atlantis, the team decides to bring her out of stasis despite the risks to her health. But everyone was shocked when, once reanimated... The elder woman identifies herself as none other than Dr. Weir. I liked that episode. I was wondering what was coming up. Yes, it is a good episode. It's quite possible after they did the pilot, people went, hang on, so how come it did this and this and this? And this actually neatly ties up a lot of reasons why Atlantis did what it did. It explains all the fail-safes and the rising up from the ocean floor, etc., etc., etc. Well, it explains it better than the Atlanteans did that, because maybe, just maybe, they'd return one day. Indeed. I wonder, because around the same time, well, actually about three years previously, Voyager finished with a closed time loop of a much older Admiral Janeway going back. So I'm wondering if they are influenced by that. Writers take influences from everywhere, don't they? Well, writers I've spoken to say they don't tend to watch science fiction if they're writing because they don't want to be either influenced or accused of being influenced by something else. They like to try and find their own voice. But you never know. No. Jack? Daniel? Are you you? Yeah. 
You? What? I like the yellow ones. Never mind. We have some feedback from Dan this week. Our efforts to get the signed Ronan figure to him seems to have been a total failure. My hope is that it's now gracing the playroom of a youngster rather than in the lost package room somewhere in the United States. Dan has been very understanding and generous and I hope to make it up to him when the opportunity arises. That said, for the next competition it may be better to stick to the reliable but unimaginative Amazon vouchers. Hello Alan, Mike, sometimes Brad. Uh, this is Dan LaRock. I haven't talked to you guys in a while so I figured I'd touch base with you and I just wanted to uh, quickly mention Sanctuary on the Stargate Atlantis episode that you guys recently reviewed. Well, that was a, it was a good you know it was a good episode. It was fun to watch. Uh, it was kind of kind of nice to take a break from some of the stuff that has been going on in Atlantis. Really, it was just a, a fun episode to me, and uh, I quite enjoyed it. But what I really wanted to talk about is SG One and uh, Full Alert, and I'm really into this trust and you know the NID and trust stuff, and uh, I really like the episode a lot. I have. One problem with it, the fact that Senator Kinsey didn't die by, you know, by Jack's gun. I really, really wanted to see Colonel O'Neill be able to do something to Kinsey, you know, that, that we remember. Not not anything gross or anything like that, but Kinsey dying, you know, what we think anyway, uh, dying in that Al-Kesh was just, it was too good for him. The guy was so freaking slimy. And I, I think I've mentioned this before. I wanted to reach through the through the TV set and just to grab this guy. I really wish that that he could have gone out another way, but you know, whatever <laughs> it happened. So it's just uh, it's what we got. But man, but anyway, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, future SG SG one from you guys because uh, this is getting into some good stuff, and I, I really like seasons nine and ten um, a lot. Uh, I like the Ori stuff, and uh, it's just getting good from here. Anyway, that's pretty much what I wanted to say. the uh, The Ronin figure hasn't made it yet. I don't, I don't know, you know, I don't know why. But it's it's fine. It's it's all good. But I know you guys are trying. I, it just hasn't shown up yet, and uh, you know that's cool. But. Um, anyway, I, I appreciate what you guys are doing, and uh, I keep on listening and keep on doing what you do, and I hope this recording finds you both well. And that's it, so I'll talk to you later. Thanks a lot. Many thanks, Dan, for the feedback. Always appreciated. And yeah, I think Kinsey deserved a better send-off. After all, he was a major player. More so because he wasn't used excessively. But I'm on the fence with the political aspects of upcoming stories. Yet I see why that aspect had to be weaved in. After eight years, certain elements had to be addressed. On the Facebook group, Brad commented that Sanctuary came out better than he thought, and considering the Skype issues we had, I'm rather pleased. It was interesting not being able to make out every other word Brad said, but thankfully he recorded his side of the conversation, so it all got stitched together. We always get a warm and fuzzy feeling when we get some feedback on the show, so if you'd like to send us something, then please do so. We'll endeavour to include it in the next show, or relevant show if that's more appropriate. You can email us, including an audio message, using gatecastpodcast at gmail.com. And we have groups and pages on both Facebook and Google+. You can search for us using generic Stargate, or more specifically, Gatecast. We are also on iTunes and Stitcher Internet Radio, under Gatecast. And we simply swoon when we get an iTunes rating and review. They help the show get promotion on that service. Twitter seems to be popular. And you can find us at the Gatecast, which is one word. And finally, there is our main website 
gatecast.co.uk, which has a variety of contact and links for keeping our Stargate family all together. Okay, folks, that was Full Alert. Thank you for joining us. As I said, next week we'll return to Stargate Atlantis and Before I Sleep. I hope you join us for that. I've been Mike. I've been Alan. Take care and we'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. You've been listening to The Gatecast, hosted by Alan and Mike. Join us at gatecast.co.uk. Stargate forever. Bye.